1: Interested in starting your own podcast? Then Anchor is the right platform for you. When it comes to creating a podcast and editing and producing, Anchor has all the necessary tools for you to have a top-notch product. Anchor also distributes to your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. They even give you the opportunity to make money like we are right now just by having them as a sponsor. The best part? It's completely free to download and use. Download Anchor in the App Store or on Google Play and get your podcast started today. It's time for the Say Hey Podcast, your San Francisco Giants podcast for the real ones. Available on your podcast platform of choice, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. New episodes are released weekly. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at Say Hey Podcast and like our page on Facebook. Episode twenty eight of the Say Hey podcast. This is Doug Hayes, aka Say Hey Doug. It is March twenty fifth, two thousand twenty one. Rob is off again tonight, but we are happy to be joined by and serving as my co host tonight, friend and fellow Giants chatter
2: admin, Brooks Nutson. Brooks, how's it going tonight, my man? What's up, bud? I keep forgetting to correct you that it's Nutson, man, not Nudson. I know I did that
1: on purpose. I was going to say. uh, That's going to be
2: a common theme. I think we're going to be mispronouncing (laughs) a lot of prospects' names tonight. (laughs) Uh, I used to say Helio Ramos. Like, I didn't know how to say his name. I used to say Heliot, yeah. No, I I, I thought it was like, oh, it's got to be the silent T. But uh, since I'm filling in for the Rob, the Say Hey Rob, I'll be Say Hey Brooks tonight, and I will do my best to fill the shoes of that man. Uh, We miss you, Rob. I know you're listening right now, so uh, (laughs) I'll do my best.
1: Sorry, Mr. Newton. I, I totally ah, botched that again, but whatever. You got uh, it. My last name's is, IS. Anyway, <laughs> hey, uh, tonight we are joined by Mark DeLuke, who covers prospects and all things Giants for Around the Foghorn at aroundthefoghorn.com. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Mad MadDeLuke. That's M-A-D-D-E-L-U-C-C-H-I. Also give his podcast a
3: listen, Sound the Foghorn. Mark, how's it going tonight? It's going well, going well. You, you guys came in. You gave my name uh, the proper pronunciation, so so I'm getting the special treatment here today. You, know, <laughs> you Did our research, it. Mark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I came, you came ready.
1: We've, we've heard you on other shows, so uh, mm-hmm. we've heard Deluki Daluki, Daluki. And I'm, I feel Brooks. I'm so sorry, dude, because I know how to say your name. I just maybe I'm ill prepared
2: tonight. It's because well, you're amazing. reading instead of talking. <laughs> I, maybe so. Maybe so. No,
1: I'm um, no. We're super excited to have uh, Mark on because this guy. Uh, is a prospect genius and so um
3: i appreciate that
1: yeah absolutely man uh getting to read your your stuff lately and hear you on other shows um we're really excited to have you on so um earlier this month mark held prospect week to discuss a range of topics including his top 31 prospects unranked prospects to watch uh the current state of the farm and more so tell us a little bit about prospect week from a couple weeks ago and um you know your thoughts behind that
3: yeah, I, it was one of those things where, you know, I spent the off season kind of gearing up, you know, trying to kind of talk to as many industry people as I could to kind of, you know, gauge what people's opinions were. Is stock, you know, are prospects seeing their stock change without a minor league season? Is everyone kind of really tepid? And you're kind of trying to piece all that together. And it was all it's always in the back of my mind kind of you know, am I going to do a top 30? Am I going to be confident that I have enough to do that at the beginning of the season or am I going to want to wait till um, the mid-season? And so as I sort of geared up for it, what I decided I was going to go with was kind of give like two weeks of spring training to kind of see players in the first week or two, maybe get a look or two, hear some, you know, quick reactions um, from people there and then, you know, put out my top 31 sort of to give me a, some flexibility in case, you know, Anyone came in, you know, out of nowhere, and actually Sam Long, who made the list, was basically the kind of why I did that. You know, the perfect example of why I did that. Um, and I just, you know, I have a bunch of thoughts about the Giants' farm system, and I know, you know, the top thirty lists can tend to get buried a bit. And so, you know, I said, you know what? Why don't we do a bunch of these other things for these, you know, other thoughts on the farm system? You know, how are the Giants acquiring talent? How are they developing? talent is the Zaidi quote unquote regime that different from the Evans regime or the Sabian regime and kind of trying to kind of compare it and contrast those things and parse those things out. And, you know, I gave myself a heavy task. I ended up probably writing more in that week than I, you know, I probably should have pre written a bit more than I ended up having to do, but nonetheless, I'm really happy with how it turned out. Um, just you know, getting a a lot of my thoughts out there and kind of having one place too where you know for fans can you know go back to it hopefully throughout the season and it can be a bit of a resource because I kind of frame a lot of things as questions too. Like ultimately, we don't know that much about Michael Holmes as a scouting director. We don't know that much about Farhan Zaidi as a president of baseball operations. And so, you know, I'm noticing these trends, but you know, I'm kind of putting these caveats in there that you know all of this could change in an instant, that we could be, you know falling for something because it just happens to be that we've had kind of a collection of certain moves in their first two years. So um, I'm excited to kind of see how it plays out and look back and, you know, I'm hoping I got a lot right, but I'm excited to see what I got wrong too.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I think it is uh, interesting because, you know, there's, I feel like there's news every single day with this organization. So it's kind of like, Oh, you know, maybe I'll just wait until the last possible second. And which is kind of exciting. Cause we, I'll be, I'll be straight up with our listeners. Like I, we tried having Mark on a couple of weeks ago when prospect week came out and uh, it, I dropped the bonnet. I got busy. Um, so that's why I was like, I still got to have him on before the season starts. And so it's kind of funny because uh, like you're just saying, there's so much going on still that it's like, you know, how, how relevant, how much has changed? I, I was kind of curious off, off topic, like how much has changed in regards to like your rankings or anything in your booklet um, just in the last like three weeks alone?
3: Yeah, you know, I I alluded to it because I, you know, waited that first week or two of spring training and, you know, I had Luis Matos a tier above Elliot Ramos and um, Joey Bart, right? And I put them as 50 plus future value grades and, you know, uh, Matos at 55 and, you know, the plus kind of signifies I'm on the cusp, I'm on the edge if you show me a bit. And I mentioned, I'm like, you know, the way Bart and Ramos are playing, if I'd waited a few weeks by the end of spring training, they might be 55s with Ramos. And I think, you know, there's, a, there's I think, a pretty strong case that um, at this point, Ramos and Bart might be 55s for me. I mean, once I kind of do the rankings, I try to step away from the grading. And so, you know, I, I'm kind of watching Ramos and Bart. And I've been impressed with what I've seen, but um, I haven't necessarily dived in enough to be to the point where, you know, all right, they're a 55 now, but I definitely say, um, on that front, right? And those are really the only guys we've gotten to see that much of, you know? Um Long, You know, Long was the early sensation and he hasn't really appeared much in, in the recent weeks. He's going to be in minor league camp and we'll get to kind of see, you know, how that plays out. Because ultimately he was someone I was pretty aggressive with, um, you know, ranking him 12th, right? With basically a, a week of headlines was essentially what, you know, what motivated that and a, and a few appearances where you saw some premium starter upside. Um, but obviously, you know, you have a really small sample you're working on there. And so, you know, he's like a high volatility guy who a month of minor league season could, he could shoot to near the top of the list. If he's, if he's that guy and he could, you know, be off the list entirely, you know, if he kind of reverts to some of his old performances. So, you know, it's really Ramos and Bart are the main ones, Luciano. I mean, he's struggling, you know, offensively at the plate, but I noted, you know, I, I I think I, I'm not sure if I wrote this specifically, but. You know, he got compared to Soto and Tatis and all these other guys. And the one thing that I was uh – I've always been a bit more cautious in comparing him to those players is that Luciano, while he has the potential to have a really strong hit tool, is a power tool over hit tool guy right now. And, you know, that's not the case with Soto, right? And Tatis, while, you know, he had more power than hit, his hit tool was always far more advanced. Like, Luciano, I think, is one – who you aren't necessarily going to see, you know, tear up spring training at 19. You know, you wouldn't necessarily expect that of him. Um, but that doesn't necessarily change my evaluation of him too much. Um, also, because frankly, what I've seen hit from him at shortstop has been quite impressive. And, and so, you know, that's kind of counteracted. All right, this hit tool might not be, you know, as phenom level that we might have expected or hoped. But the, the defense being where it is gives me the room to say, even if he's going to take a little more on that end, him being more likely to stick at shortstop, you know, is, is valuable to me.
1: Mark, I'm going to ask you my first, my first question here, Sounds um, good. because I, I, this interests me in your, in your booklet here, go into details about spin over speed and why the giants have embraced this philosophy.
3: Well, the, why you'll probably have to talk to them and their statisticians. I, I can say that the, the basics of it, right. Is it is seen seemed pretty clear. I mean, this isn't some, you know, uh, you know, ingenious note on my part. I feel like most people have cited it, right? (laughs) That the the Giants, you know, have seemed to not tend towards elite velocity in the way we've come to expect major league front offices, major league teams, you know, in general, you know, we, we look back on a bullpen 10 years ago and we compare it to velocities now when, you know, it's a stark shift, right? And, you know, there's the jokes about, right, if you're 95, 96, you're probably a below average, you know, fastball in a bullpen, but, The Giants, you know, they're, they don't get me wrong. They've had their, you know, premium fastballs and they've, you know, brought in a guy like Jake McGee, but you know, even someone like McGee, his fastball is not elite because it is 99, 100 miles per hour. It is elite because it has that 95. It sits in the mid nineties, has really good speed and he's really deceptive. Like he just is able to seems to make hitters uncomfortable. And so, you know, that's been where, With the big league level, you've seen it. You know, Sam Selman, even though he just got optioned, was the perfect example of this as well. You know, low 90s fastball, that slider is his number one pitch. That slider's his go-to pitch. And he was able to be effective, you know, last year. Matt Whistler, who they signed this offseason, another guy, low 90s fastball. But the slider is the primary pitch. So, you know, we've seen them really lean into that on the big league side. And that's been equally true on the minor league side. There's been one pitcher that they've drafted in the top rounds or given a big bonus in the two years since Michael Holmes been scouting director. It's RJ Dobovich, the relief pitcher they selected out of Arizona State. I guess they, they might confirm to start it, but I think it's pretty clear he's going to be developed as a reliever. At least that's where I think he's heading. And he has that, you know, upper 90s, 98, 99, 100 mile per hour fastball. But even he actually has incredible spin efficiency on that fastball. He has a breaking ball that he's been working at push performance on to really maximize its break as well. So even the one guy you can point to and say, this is your stereotypical closer with a big time fastball. Even he has these traits that when you look at the other picks, like a Nick Swiney, like a Trevor McDonald, like even a Kyle Harrison, All players who, you know, the fastball looks like a low 90s, maybe a mid-90s pitch if things hold out with, you know, a breaking ball or really good feel for a changeup that are ultimately going to be what the Giants seem to expect they're carrying tools.
2: Yeah, I was, uh, you know, when you, when I first heard about like spin rate being uh, something that, uh, you know, not only uh, you know, deep cut scouts and, and analytic types are talking about, but then when the media guys, like even like, you know, Pavlovich would start writing about that stuff. Um, one of the names that comes to mind was Chris Stratton was known for his elite spin rate. Right. And, uh, I think that might've given him a longer look when they kind of were trying to figure out what, role he is? Is he gonna be a fifth starter, long reliever? What is, you know, Stratton's future? I think and the other reason why he stuck around so long was holding that first round uh, you know Tag. reputation, right? You yeah. know, once you're a first rounder, you get an extra season or so just to get through some rough times. But um ultimately, you know, he I think he's on the Pirates now or something, but um
3: he actually was quietly pretty effective in their bullpen last year. so it would be interesting. I mean, you know, with relievers one year to the next. But, yeah, no, he's one guy, right? Dude, we've seen go to Pittsburgh and, you know, seem to you know, find a comfort zone.
2: Yeah, and and I'm thinking you you brought up, uh, you know, Jake McGee earlier, and I, it just got me thinking about this past offseason where it, it seemed like it was just like a bargain shopping uh, spree for the Giants. They've got so many of these relievers on such, you know – affordable deals where a couple of years ago, that type of guy would get like, you know, three years, 20 million. And it's just like, you know, these low commitments and in, in terms of years or they'll get an option or it's just a low base salary. I think that's probably why they were able to bring in guys like Whistler and McGee, not only for the reputation San Francisco has right now with uh, a place to pitch um, and, you know, everything that comes with that, but I just, uh, yeah, I just thought that was funny how, like, they did actually bring in some guys uh, that in the normal offseason would be too expensive for, like, Farhan's uh, liking, I think. Good
1: point. Um, I, I, I wanted to ask you this one because I, I thought it, it stuck out to me. Um, you, you ranked your top five strengths of positions. Five center field, four third base, three shortstop, two corner outfielder, and one catcher. The one thing that, didn't, that stuck out here is you have absolutely no pitching as a strength. Why is this? Is it because of a lack of depth straight up in the, in the uh, system or what's going on with that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean the easy answer is all the above. I, I mean, you know, there is not, there are not, uh, you know, any premium, you know, elite pitching prospects um, in this system. You know, I'm definitely on the consensus level. I'm higher on, I think, Kyle Harrison – Than most, I ranked him. You know, the best pitching prospect in the system. Let me double check if I gave him a 45. I gave him a 50 grade, which is you know approaching that you know back end of the top 100 list. But you know, I'm higher on on Harrison, um, in part because I'm you know starting to kind of get some trust in the Giants player development system, and Harrison was a guy who you know you looked at as a lower upside pitcher when he's coming out of high school. But I'm kind of part of the reason that grade is higher is I'm you know, giving some credence, giving some credit to what the Giants player development team has seemed to be able to do with um, pitchers of a similar kind of profile at the big league level. And, and I think we might see that carried down to Harrison, but ultimately it's, it really comes down to just the lack of investment in pitching on the, you know, player development uh, farm system side. I mean, you look at the, God, who is the last pitcher the Giants took in the first round, you know, you, you have to go back quite a biz they've you know primarily drafted position players high they've you know primarily you know in, in trades w- when they've made moves primarily acquired even at the upper minor league level you know um targeted more hitters and um, whether that's a philosophy whether that's just what, what i think is just teams are more willing to part with position players you know and position player prospects in general the giants have taken advantage of that that you know is less so less true on the pitching side right you're not going to Take a You know, pitchers you see a lot more dramatic. They're always more volatile as prospects. And so the Giants have tended away from that under Zaidi and in these past kind of couple of drafts. And obviously his first, the first draft under Michael Holmes, which is the full 40 rounds, right? The fact is they did kind of lean more towards pitching this year, but it's only five rounds. So there's only so much, you know, you can really kind of get in terms of depth. Out of that. I mean, you can't go back to, I want to say it's the 2017 or 18 draft where, you know, you have Garrett Cave and Jason Barr and, you know, a number of these guys, Keaton Wynn, a number of pitchers in the college ranks. They take in those mid, you know, mid rounds who just haven't panned out or, you know, in, in the case of Barr has been traded uh, to Texas. and And so they just you know, haven't invested and they haven't gotten lucky right where they've stumbled onto a guy in the 17th round who's turned out to be, you know, a star. They just haven't gotten that.
1: Well, it's a great point too, because I, I've been kind of vocal the last, I would obviously like two years because, um, you know, obviously in, in Zaidi's first draft, what was it? The first 10 rounds, he went out and got all positional players. And so yep. I, I immediately thought then, okay, this guy's, this guy wants to build his bats. And I just assume he's going to bring in his arms via free agency and trades. So, and I mean, we've kind of seen that. We still don't really have any, you know, prospects out. Obviously in the bullpen, there's going to be some prospects that are, you know, homegrown there, but starting pitching wise, you know, the, the, maybe the next closest guy would be a Seth Corey, but we're still not there yet. And this is year three, basically of the Zaidi regime. So,
2: yeah, it's it's something where you inherit a Giants roster and you're going, all right, these guys, uh, I'm looking for hitters. Where do I see any hitters? <laughs> you know? And so he, he went all in on, uh, on that draft, getting uh, as many hitters as he could, right? Yeah. And then um, it, international signings too, right? I mean, I, it's, yeah. uh, it's I definitely – Esmeralene
3: Benicio, I think, is the only really prominent pitcher in the last three mm-hmm. or four mm-hmm. cycles, really, mm-hmm. um, yeah. on the international side.
2: Yeah, so it's – and now it's kind of, you know, I think we've been seeing uh, Giants trying to kind of flip it now. We're like, okay, well, now we're shifting focus to pitchers <laughs> because, um, you know, it's it's not only uh, hard to, to get, uh, you know, pitchers to come to a – you know, a team that needs uh, more help, you know, uh, like, Hey, come here. And, and, you know, maybe we can just have you be our innings guy, you know, so with upcoming free agency, it's going to be interesting. Um, uh, we don't have to get into that, but um, I guess I could transition into the next question here, Doug. Um, Fantastic. Go ahead. All right. So uh, as documented on this podcast before I, I brought to uh, to both Doug and Rob's attention about this little, uh, you know, this kind of might not be as documented, but uh, the reason why the Giants have given only these like one-year contracts out this offseason, right? I mean, you're looking at Kevin Gosman. That was more having to do with the uh, the qualifying offer. But, yeah. uh, you know, they also didn't give him a long-term deal. Uh, but Anthony DiSclavani, Aaron Sanchez, Alex Wood, um, you know, all these – you know, one year deals, right. Um, when, you know, and, and you look at these other expiring contracts coming up, you got belt, Crawford uh, you know, Donovan Solano, right. So there's going to be a lot of uh, openings uh, potentially at the end of the year uh, for the 40 man roster. And that is by no uh, accident. You know, the giants have to add a lot of really notable uh, players uh, to their 40 man roster to pre- protect them from the rule five draft coming up. Uh, And I was just going to list a couple of these, uh, you know, you know, I'm not going to go through all 25 because it's just crazy uh, how many, but um, there's a good about 10, 10 or so notable players here. Uh, The hitters that they need to add uh, Elliot Ramos, Sean Roby, David VR, Jacob Gonzalez, and Tyler Flores. They kind of stand out to me in that group. And then most notably the pitchers, uh, Sean jelly, Seth Corey, Blake Rivera, Keaton Wynn, Matt Frisbee, Jake Wong, and Tristan Beck. And, you know, I'm just thinking maybe they'll only add six, six of those guys. I'm thinking, you know, you can't, you know, they still have to make room for other, uh, 40 man roster, uh, additions outside of this process, you know, with free agency and all that money to spend. So long question, but going going back to it, uh, Mark is, uh, you know, assuming that three of those six guys that they add are Sean Jelly, Seth Corey, Elliot Ramos, those I think should be uh, a lock. But what would be, you know, your thought on which other three guys would you definitely want the Giants to add? Man,
3: it, it's, I mean, it's really going to come down to this minor league season. I know that's kind of a cop out of, of an answer, but it really gets back to, you know, heading into 2019, um, you looked at the 2017 draft. And thought the Giants might have had nothing, right? You know, Elliot Ramos uh, coming off his, you know, year at Augusta. And again, I was still relatively high on Ramos, but, you know, a lot of people. He was no longer a top 100 prospect. He, He dipped a bit. You know, Jacob Gonzalez, as you mentioned, struggled and has continued to struggle. This, in many ways, I think is a make or break year for him, not just because of the rule five draft, but just in terms of he wasn't drafted by Michael Holmes and Farron Saidi. Like I I think, you know, they've, like you mentioned, we've drafted a lot of hitters. So, you know, there's going, he could get buried very quickly here. You know, you mentioned Corey. And then after that is kind of that college pitchers in the 2017 draft. And again, the way the rule five draft works for those who aren't familiar is it's based on essentially when you come into the league, when you're drafted or sign your first pro contract, there's a certain amount of years before you have to be placed on the 49 roster or else you're rule five draft eligible. And so basically the short answer of it is if you were a college player picked in 2017, or if you were a high school player picked in, or excuse me, a high school player picked in 2017, a college or 2018, you will be eligible in the coming year. But you know, the top three picks in 2017 were high schoolers, Ramos Gonzalez and Corey. But after that, it's pretty much an entire collegiate slate. And so those guys have already been, Eligible and and so you know that draft I think for for better or worse just you know outside of those top three picks there's really nothing in the way of guys who still look like um, you know big time prospects the one exception to that and, and I'll kind of pin this here is Connor Nurse who was a 34th round pick who they gave an overslot signing bonus he's one of the good players I mentioned who you know could kind of be a, a surprise or a breakout candidate this year. Big frame, I believe he's 6'6", low 90s fastball. Again, we'll we'll talk spin spin over speed back to that. But, you know, had a good feel for a breaking ball. He pitched at Salem-Kaiser in 2019 and looked pretty good. Probably would have made his full season debut last year. Again, he's still relatively young because he's a prep pitcher. You know, again, because of the volatility of pitchers, if he comes out and has a good year, you know, we know with Rule 5 picks, if there's a starter who's doing well in the low minor leagues, there's a team out there that will be willing to draft him and put him in the bullpen. So I think that's one to keep an eye on. On the 2018 side, it really comes down to these college pitchers, right? That's the, you mentioned Blake Rivera. I mentioned Keaton Wynn earlier, Jake Wong. And Wynn and Wong have struggled. Rivera has still only really been at the lower mile leagues. He hasn't pitched above Augusta to this point. So, you know, I really think in a lot of ways, this is kind of really going to depend on how the season plays out for all of them. Rivera is a guy who has big time stuff, but has also struggled with command, right? If that, command takes a step back you probably don't even have to worry about protecting him he ends he gets moved to the bullpen and becomes kind of in that you know Camilo Doval, Melvin Adone kind of track of prospect you know if Jake Wong and Keaton Wynn all of a sudden put it together or move to the pen and they are quick movers they could be in this bullpen picture you know even uh, lower tier guys like Solomon Bates or Ben Madison who are, you know have some premium stuff who were drafted as relievers you know they could Um, shoot through the system. I think the one name you mentioned that I'd say I'd lean towards is probably going to end up protected is Sean Roby. And the organization has seemed higher on him. Again, he seems to just have a really good feel for hitting and has some power potential that he's yet to really tap into. Um, You know, of the guys in my I didn't do a ranking this, but kind of of the top 30 guys who could break out, he's definitely one of them. But for that very reason, he's someone I could also see ending up getting packaged in a trade. Because his defensive future is a bit uncertain. He's probably a DH and granted the Giants are probably planning for a DH to be in the National League by 2022 and beyond. But, you know, he doesn't give them a lot of versatility defensively. He's not going to offer that. He's going to have to hit. And, And I do wonder, you know, I don't think I've said over the past couple of seasons, and I have yet to be right, but I still don't think it's, out of the question is I think Zaidi is like interested in being a buyer and a seller simultaneously, right? I think he is interested in trading prospects from depth or trading prospects he's lower on for you know big league talent or even different prospects that he thinks fits a timeline or fits an organization better depth wise. And so I think even if the Giants are out of the postseason by the trade deadline, let's say, uh, and you know things aren't going well, and maybe they're shopping to Kevin Gossman or a Johnny Cueto. I don't necessarily think that will take them out of if there's a controllable young player uh, available from necessarily getting involved in that. Or even a, um, you know, this wasn't something, uh, you know, Zaidi did, but, um, you know, like the Sam Dyson move, right? And, And, you know, when, you know, he's designated for assignment struggles and the Giants aren't good, but they give up a prospect. Um, to acquire him, I could see, you know, some kind of a, of those moves as well if the Giants kind of fall apart as the season goes on. And I'm not saying that's gonna happen. I'm just saying that I think that's in the possibilities.
2: Yeah. And I think a good follow-up to that, you know, just just knowing, you know, like we were saying, Elliott Ramos definitely gonna be added by he's probably gonna be added to the forty man roster even this summer, we we think. And yeah. um yeah. so he's someone that doesn't really even need to be mentioned on this list really. But but knowing the fact that, I, I, you know, Connor Nurse was on my second tier of guys. I, I just don't know anything about him, but I yeah. I feel like I, I was just going with um, some of the names that I've kind of just spent a little more time looking into. One of them is Tristan Beck, right? That is yeah. a, a guy that Farhan actually, um, you know, acquired. I don't know how much he loves Tristan Beck versus um, I, he really loved getting Mark Melanson's contract off of his uh, hands. Right. So one
3: of the most surprising deals I've, I mean, obviously I haven't been, you know, still can't believe that went through. Yeah. Writer thing too long, but I was for around the foghorn, I was on the trade deadline beat because sort of the person in charge of the site at the time was doing more broad MLB stuff. And so you know, I'm writing up all the deals and I go, all right, they move Melanson. And all right. Did they move his contract? It says Giants put his contract. I'm like, all right, starting to wrap the cash. And it's like, they got Tristan Beck. And it's, it, it, it was, it, yeah, I'm still surprised and at that. Tristan
2: Beck was the Friday night starter for Stanford. And I, yeah. you know, my dad and I would go to sunken diamond, and watch him pitch, uh, you know, a couple of years, obviously before he joined the Giants system. So um, that was exciting. Cause you know, big Stanford fan. I was like, all right, cool. We got that guy. Um, but, I'm just thinking in terms of needing to add these guys, obviously, you know, you make a good point. It really comes down to their performance in the minors this year. It's as simple as if, you know, if one of these guys, let's just say the whole group, like of Rivera, Wynn, Frisbee, Wong, Beck, if they all kill it and it's like, yeah. okay, we can only have three of them, then there's a good chance those other two guys are going to get picked up in the Rule 5 draft because they had a good year, right? So.
3: But also, right, if they all kill it, there's going to be some who make the big league roster before the end of the season. Like, I think that's the one thing, you know, I think about this. And that's what um, Beck's someone... Uh, you, you're right. I'd actually add Beck to the list of I'd expect him to be protected. I just sort of focused on the Giants drafts and forgot that that he's someone coming up for eligibility as well. I think Beck's one who he doesn't necessarily have to have an excellent year, even if I think he's just kind of solid, doesn't necessarily force the Giants hand, you know, maybe gets to triple a, but at the very least, is just kind of solid at double a and stays on track. I still think they, they protect him partially just because of the Darth of starting pitching in, in the system. And also because, and again, I'm curious to see how it plays out, but Beck's someone who is intriguing because you mentioned that Stanford pedigree, right? He was a guy who at one time looked like he was going to be on the five or top 10 picks in the draft, right? And then he has some shoulder injury. His, his stock falls a bit, but, you know, I mean, this is sort of, I guess, kind of the, the crux and limitation of being a prospect guy, right? Is once you see someone with big time potential, you can't really unsee it. And that's not to say, I think Beck is going to be that guy, but I just think someone like Zaidi is going to say, you know, maybe, you know, that like there's that little chance, that lottery ticket that I think someone like Zaidi is more inclined to say, we're we're not going to you know we're not going to risk losing that that uh you know chip just yet. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that, I agreed uh, the lack of uh, actual starting pitchers on the 2022 Giants makes me feel like hey Corey, hey Jelly, you might have a spot there uh, depending on if you know uh, we can get into reliever versus uh, starting pitcher uh maybe a little later but um yeah that to me was definitely something that I'm, I'm like this is way too many talent if you know if i think these are guys are good then maybe a team like the orioles or somebody that's looking to add one of these guys to their rule five um draft uh, that would be uh, tough to lose them so uh yeah what do you think about all that doug uh
1: well it is interesting because i think you have to tie back in you know the the bevy of one year deals of these current starters. And, and yeah, it's like uh, they may be forced to hand uh some of these rotation spots over to these younger guys next year. And that's probably why you're seeing guys uh like a Sam long or a, a Caleb Berger, um you know, getting quote unquote stretched out as a starter, because shoot, who knows? Kapler may have to put one or two of those guys in a rotation next year, just because of the uncertainty. Now you, you, like you've mentioned, um, you know, they're, they're doing their best to uh, have roster spots on the 40-man roster available uh, after this season. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely an interesting caveat there because I would think that uh, they're stretching these guys out, maybe not really for this season, even though, you know, they do have, um, you know, injury-laden starters and they brought in other guys for insurance. But I think they're stretching out guys maybe for beyond
3: 2021. That's just my thought. Yeah, and I also think the other thing about the 40-man is that there are some other kind of parts of the roster that I think will will play out as well, right? Like, I think there's probably, you know, the chances of, you know, Duggar, Stephen Duggar, Lamont Wade, and Jalen Davis all being on the 40-man next season are quite low, right? Like, I think you're going to see... Also, there's there's a lot of redundancy on this roster. I'm not, you know, people have been pointing that out offseason, you know, we, we see... Zaidi mentioned today that they're looking to add some upper minor league shortstop depth. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. something I know Roger Munzer has been griping about all, all offseason. season. And, and, you know, you see on the infield side, right? There's Jason Vossler and Darren Ruff and Wilmer Flores and, you know, even Tommy LaSella and Donovan Solano, to a certain extent, that's five guys who are, you know, for the most part, play very similar roles and, you know, all those guys with the exception of Solano are also under control for next year. So again, when we look at, you know, are there going to be mid season trades, you know, are, are there going to be, um, you know, you know, our guy's going to struggle and be DFA would or again, this is, we haven't really gotten to see Farhan Zaidi at his full, like Jerry DePoto that we were kind of told he was going to be, you know, (laughs) he was kind of portrayed to us as like, he wants to be creative. And we've seen it on the waiver wire, right. We've seen it on the cash moves and the small moves, but we haven't really been seen him involved in like a big leaguer for big leaguer swap that also sent prospects both ways. And, And like, I do think, that's something that we could see where you know maybe you see a you know if at again I'm just saying things right now but you know a a Solano maybe goes to a contender but then also like a Jalen Davis for a lower level pros you know and maybe a big league you know someone else's kind of Caleb Berger who maybe they're higher on right like just sort of some peculiar things there that that I think um, there's. You know a lot of potential for moves, and in the Brian and Bobby Evans era, I knew I was talking to a wall when I was thinking about those. Where with Zaidi, I always feel like you know it's it's always on the cusp of happening.
1: The Say Hey podcast is sponsored by Mantika Bedquarters. Whether you're located in the Bay Area or the Central Valley. Head out to Manteca and visit Manteca Bedquarters for great rates on mattresses from Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, and other top brands. Manteca Bedquarters also has bedroom furniture and bedding accessories. Located on the corner of Main and Yosemite in Manteca, visit MantecaBedQuarters.com for more details. So, Mark, you have, like you previously pre mentioned a couple i don't pre-mentions not even a term like you mentioned a little bit ago at the beginning connor nurse is number 11 on your rank of unranked breakout prospect candidates i want to talk about the other uh connor connor cannon you have him ranked fifth on that list uh we had kevin cunningham on a couple weeks ago from sf giants futures and he was raving about connor cannon why are you so high on him as well <laughs>
3: Yeah. I mean, whenever you're, you know, I look at someone outside the, the prospect rankings, you're, you're looking for volatility, right? So, you know, because if a player is not a top 30 prospect, that means they're going to have to do something pretty profound, right? Pretty significant for you to go, oh, wow, they're they're a top 10 prospect in this system, right? They're going to have to do something substantial, even if it's just a small sample of it or, you know, over a prolonged period of time. And so, you know, that's where, Cannon might not be the fifth most likely guy who missed my list to rank among the giants top 30 next season. But I think he is one of the top five guys who could rank among the biggest prospects. And that's just because he's got 80 grade power. Like he has, you know, massive power potential. He also happens to have a fastball that's touched 99 miles per hour. Um, Now he hasn't, he's probably not going to pitch with the giants, but so, you know, you have, I did not know that he has basically an 80 grade arm and 80 grade power. Um, and an 80-grade name,
2: too, Mark. 80-grade yeah. uh, name.
3: Cl- elite, <laughs> elite. Connor name. Cannon.
2: I could can just yeah. hear Rennell oh announcing his name
3: right now on uh, yeah. Oracle. Connor Cannon. Exactly. It, it. You know, he has uh, extensive injury history. That's why he falls to the 17th round yeah. where he did. But, you know, again, it, I've said before, uh, first baseman, especially college first baseman, you look at the guys who ended up being really good first baseman in Major League Baseball. Uh, there's a lot of kind of peculiar stories where you look back and you go, huh, that guy hit in college and ended up, you know, Paul Goldschmidt's the perfect example of this. He was not a big time first baseman prospect. You know, he hit like 350, you know, a couple, you know, probably a dozen homers or so, you know, in, I wanna say, it was not one of the bigger Texas schools, but, you know, um, and, you know, ends up, you know, being Paul Goldschmidt, you know, Cannon has the kind of power where if he shows up and the hit tool is more advanced than we thought, right? And he can just hit two. If he just has a, you know, potential 50 grade hit tool, he could hit 260, 270 at what Eugene, right? That that's the high A, and hit like 30 homers. And now we're talking about a huge power guy, right? Like, and again, the injuries are a question. I'm not saying it's necessarily likely, but it's just you're looking for volatility with these lower level guys. And you give me an 80 grade power, 80 grade arm, we're going to be talking about it
1: well and it sounds like he's had like he's he's damaged like both of his knees if i'm not mistaken yeah it's
3: a severe injury
1: yeah but but here's here's an interesting thing you know again could be a dh next year not saying he'll be there next year but connor cannon's probably gonna end up being a dh no matter where he's at right
3: yeah probably and you know Again, now you know his 99 mile per hour fastball. Maybe you don't need a DH, you know, when he's closing <laughs> for the Giants, too. When we get to that scenario, but yeah, I the mean, next Otani, I,
2: next two way yeah, player, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, um, I, I'm excited to uh, you know, just follow <laughs> minor league box scores again, gosh, right? You, you know, I know, I know you, Mark, and uh, you probably don't know, but Doug and I, you know, especially, we love just minor league ball it's just it, there's nothing like it man uh i go to games as much as i can whether it's san jose or sacramento uh, i know doug's out there uh was it the nuts or what do you got i'm there?
1: I'm right in the middle well i i'm i'm about 15 minutes north of stockton i'm in lodi and then i'm about 35 minutes south of sacramento so i have you know the rivercats right above me the yep. ports right below me and then the nuts just a little further so we're, ports, in, a, we're in a prime area prime area
2: Yeah. So, so, and we track, you know, we're, we're constantly, you know, looking at, Oh, Connor Cannon, had two bombs today, you know, like stuff like that where, you know, that's when we get to know these guys, you know, and then seeing uh, some, some of the YouTube clips are always fun too. Some, some good coverage out there. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll uh, get to the next uh, question here, Doug. Um, So we, talked a little bit about Berger and long a few times so far. I want to go back to those guys real quick. Uh, You know, you've probably heard the reports that they're going to get stretched out to be starters this year. Um, And I don't know, like that. I feel like, you know, there's a couple of guys that come to mind when I think of like the reverse transition. Uh, and I know, you know, I, I heard you uh, on Rizzo cast talk a little bit about starting pitchers versus uh, relief pitchers, uh, their roles, how it changes. Uh, um, but do you see like a guy like, you know, Tyler Beatty he's a guy that I've been saying for years, future reliever, future reliever. He's got a lot going for the first nine batters or so. And he just, you can't get it going again against those uh against the next uh round of order there. And a guy like Menez too, I I like menez He's got a good strikeout stuff. Um all you know, great track record of strikeouts through the minors. But um, yeah. you know, I, I I could just see those two guys maybe doing the reverse. Uh Berger and Long become starters. Maybe those guys might be headed to the bullpen to keep their careers going. What do you what do you think about that?
3: Yeah, and Berger and Long, I also think at least from my perspective, there's a distinction because, from at least what we've seen, at least what's been publicly told us, Berger came to the organization and was like, "Hey, can I get one more chance to start? Like, I've been a starter. I think I can cut it, right?" And and the organization, you know, was like, "Yeah, we're going to give you the opportunities." At least that's what that's what um, it seems like. So presumably, he'll go to Sacramento and start there, where long as someone presumably they signed and said you're going to start for us, and and so you know, I do think. You know, there's there's a distinction there that Barriger will probably have to do more to stay in the rotation than potentially someone like Long, because I think the Giants front office seems to have identified Long as someone they want to start. Now, there's also the, you know, other part of this, which is it's not uncommon for prospects who teams think are going to be future relievers to be developed as starters, not necessarily because teams think they're gonna be starters, but just because they're, you know need development they need innings and the fact is if they start they're gonna assuming they're healthy gonna get to throw more pitches and throw more innings over the course of a minor league season and so it can also get difficult to kind of parse that out since long is someone right who has this hiatus from professional ball you know you know he didn't really have doesn't really have a whole lot of professional experience and so I do wonder you know Could it be that they think he's a legitimate starter? He has this three-pitch mix. And again, I ranked him highly. I could see why you could dream on that. At the same time, I also wonder if it's this guy didn't, you know, have a minor league season last year and he's had some breaks. And, you know, maybe he is a high-leverage reliever, but we just want to give him these reps to kind of, you know, get his repertoire together. When it comes to BD and Menez, I say I agree. I'm fully with you on Menez. BD, I'm a bit more hesitant on because – Frankly, Beattie was one of the guys who, you know, prior to his injury was looking like to benefit greatly from kind of the approach that we were kind of seeing Zaidi start to introduce um, on the big league side, even before Gabe Kapler was there. And, you know, you look, you can talk yourself into a, some similarities between Beattie and Kevin Gaussman. Um, you know, Beattie doesn't necessarily have the split finger, but kind of guys with, you know, one strong Breaking ball or off speed pitch, a fastball that has good velo, but has tended to play down for various reasons. And, you know, I'm kind of, I'm very curious to see how Beatty looks this season. And I think that is the biggest wild card for the future of the starting rotation, right? Because, you know, we're talking about this after Logan Webb has had an incredible spring, right? And we're, and we, you know, we're kind of talking, you know, where we really coming into the spring, there was no one you could with confidence pencil into the 2022 rotation. Um, but the way things are looking now, it's not out of the question that by midseason you're going, okay, Logan Webb is there. Right. And if BD comes back um, again, I'm curious to see it is because again, I could see them moving him to the bullpen or him becoming a swing man. Um, but I could also see him again, building on some of the success we saw was at the spring of 2019 now that, you know, potentially could make him a player going forward as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, to me, what keeps Webb in one category and Beattie in another is is high school arm, college arm. Uh, yeah. Beattie's, you know, he's obviously one of the Vandy boys. So uh, a lot of those Vanderbilt arms, you know, Bueller uh, leads the way on that one. Uh, they've had a lot of success, and you know, we all want Beattie to, oh, hey, look, he's he's Walker Bueller, finally, the guy that we thought he was going to be when they drafted him. Um, he doesn't have to. <laughs> go that crazy but I just I just get I get all uh weird when I watch him pitch and I'm going okay pull him now before it gets ugly you know and and obviously he still needs time to develop but I think that that arm has a lot of mileage from from all the college uh you know high stress innings that he pitched for Vanderbilt all those years so uh and and sorry Walker Bueller, not only uh not another Vanderbilt guy but another Tommy John guy too yeah it's just like just like Beatty, so Good that's point. why I'm. Point. I'm. Yeah, I'm just thinking maybe Beattie, uh might have a future in the bullpen for the Giants as like a late guy, late inning guy. But as Mark noted, the amount of starting pitchers under contract next year that are actually going to be ready to go uh, is uh, it's pretty scarce at the moment. So it does make sense for him, at least for next year, to be considered a starter, and then we'll see.
3: And again, I think it's totally foreseeable that we start seeing some you know five guys who they say they're three inning guys and Kapler comes up with some name for it that you know has a alliteration you know and, and and they're saying you know we have you know Caleb Berger and Connor Menez and Tyler Beatty and Sam Long and you know Blake Rivera or you know like five of these guys and they're like they're three, you know. They're, you know, I'm not going to come up with a name for it. I'll leave that to Cap and the PR people. Yeah, but like, yeah. I, like, I could very <laughs> easily see them also going in some weird direction. And again, part of that is, you know, like, I, again, I keep putting these caveats in because we really don't know how far Zaidi's is willing to push the envelope, right? How, you know, how creative he's willing to get or, you know, what his preferences are. You know, are we we've seen him, you know. I mean, this week, right, he says I'm he, he wants seven inning games, right? Like like he comes out and says that, right? And to, to anger, you know, more traditionalists and traditionalists <laughs> yeah. everywhere. Um, but but you know, like so someone who says that, I, I could see that person being like, you know, screw the five-man rotation. We're gonna have ten dudes who go three innings one dude to go seven and then like you know one one inning kind of closer type and let it run i mean and like i
2: everybody over length. 50 walks away from uh, watching <laughs> <this call. laughs> i've seen enough don't damage exactly. my game <laughs> yeah no kidding okay uh no. No, that's that's good good points there mark yeah definitely uh Definitely need to consider BD as a starter a little bit longer, I think. And uh, another guy who throws really hard is Camilo Duvall. Doug, you like Camilo, right? I love Camilo Duvall. That's my guy. And that's my guy I'm going to go
1: to the grave with. Uh, Does Mark
2: Mark love Camilo
1: Duvall? Well, you know, I'm pretty sure I already know where his response is going to go. And it's justified. I get it. But I I am curious because your your rankings are 31 deep. And Mm -hmm. Camilo Duvall is ranked 31st. So what is yep. it that's preventing um, you from putting him
3: higher on your list? Yeah, I mean, if it was a ranking by like who I'd just like to watch in person, he'd probably be top four or five. <laughs> Granted, I guess I'd have to take into consideration potential walks that are going to frustrate me. But yeah, he's, he's definitely one of the most exciting guys in, in the system from especially just, again, the kind of stuff he has, the high 90s fastball, you know, really strong spin on a slider and just a really deceptive kind of clunky arm angle that, you know, has some give and has some take, right? The give is hitters have trouble picking it up, especially righties. The take is that's part of the reason he struggled with consistency his whole career. And that's kind of what it comes down to. And I'm someone who I think when I look at other lists and kind of compare myself, if you're a reliever and, you know, I don't think you have any chance even for like a Myro petite two, three inning kind of role, you're going to have to be pretty exceptional for me to really kind of move you up the list. Um, and maybe that's something that that will change with time. And part of that, I think is a function of the depth of the giant system where I need to be convinced Camilo Duvall is going to be, you know, Kenley Jansen dominant, you know, as much as I think another prospect is going to be, you know, an everyday big league starter because that's about equivalent value, right? An elite closer, you know, at least in terms of wins above replacement and kind of the metrics I use to rank these guys, you know, isn't equal to an all-star. It's equal to an everyday player. And so I think this Giants system is deep with position players. I think MLB Pipeline this week, right, ranked them the second best farm system in baseball if you're just looking at hitters, if you're just looking at position players. Yeah, And so I think that's a big part of this too, where – if I'm comparing Camilo Duval to some starters, you know, I'm going to lean towards the starters because, again, there's still that chance they could stick in a rotation, right? And they still probably have some high leverage upside, right? With a Blake Rivera or, you know, Sam Long or someone like that. And on the position player side, I, you know, there's a lot of guys. So it's like Casey Schmidt, Logan Wyatt, who, you know, I could see you being lower on them. Again, they're not top 10 prospects in the Giants system. I don't believe either a top 15 or if they are, they're towards the back end of that top 15. But I think a lot of play- people would be right to say they have a pretty decent expectation that they're going to be big league everyday players, right? And so that's sort of where it kind of falls into place for me where Duvall kind of just gets keeps sliding down.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just say really quick about the guys you just mentioned. Obviously, high picks in the draft get mm-hmm. get more attention. True. Uh, you know, Camilo just randomly shows up in the organization. We don't even know, where did he come from? Hey, that guy's on the 40. Hey, look, he throws gas. Oh, cool. You know, yeah. that's when it's you know uh all bets are off at that point um so and i i know i know doug and i both uh enjoy camilo and 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 i think doug you have a fat head poster of camilo duvall in your room right? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding hey
1: man that was i told you that in confidence okay <gasps> no i'm just playing no I, I that's a good point though i i think i think trust me i i'm a real realistic you know baseball observer and um you know, if, if someone deserves credit that I'm not fond of, I you know, i.e. Brandon Belt, uh, you know, I, I will give him credit. <laughs> um, but like a guy like Camilo Duvall is kind of the one guy I, uh, how can I say this, um, fanboy out about in just the potential that he has. Yeah. Like he's, I just, I love his arm slots. It's weird. It's like, it's not a three quarter, but it's not a sidearm. It's, it's kind of like it's at that Camilo Duvall angle. Which it's a no frisbee. Like he it.
3: throws it, he throws it, it like a frisbee.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great description, actually, because he does. It's unique. And so I, he just sticks out to me. So I'm going to stick up for that guy. Uh, so that's and- just
2: my thing with the ball. He's dripping with swag. Let's let's just be honest. When oh, he's on the awesome. mound, he it's looks awesome. like he's he's ready to get uh, the final out in the World Series. He just he looks so comfortable out there, and I think that's part of uh, why we're excited about him too. He just looks like he belongs. So so hopefully, uh, you know, he is the thirty first flavor on Mark's uh, <laughs> list here, but uh, hopefully he's like pralines and cream, and not like. Um, uh- Oh you know, come on, man! You're better than that. I, I'm just ho- free, I'm dude.
1: just hoping Duvall ends up being like a really like a damn good setup guy. Fine, cookie, cookie dough. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's that's my hopes for him. Uh, let's move to the outfield uh, before we close. Uh, Jalen Davis has continued to struggle at the plate in the spring. Yeah, he still has options, but is his time getting a shot with the big club fading out? I mean, he is 26 <sighs> years old too, so he's not yeah, man, that young.
3: I have been high on Jalen Davis. And at this point, I think I'm higher on Davis than the organization is. At least that seems to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, how things have been. Again, I ranked him among the top 30. And I think the way the Giants are behaving, I don't think they would rank him, you know, among the top 30. And know, yeah, I realize I rankings don't really serve much purpose to teams themselves, but, you know, they give, Steven Duggar and Louis Alexander Basabe, the big league opportunities towards the end of last season when, you know, there's the bats to be had, not Davis. They, you know, again, and I can understand why, um, but I also have to say there's been some just peculiar things I've noticed. I mean, Davis has said openly, my best defensive position is center field. You know, he, that's where he's most comfortable. And yet the giants seem to primarily play him in right while they're playing yeah. someone like Mike Srebsky and Lamont Wade, who no one, or at least Yastrzemski, especially no one has ever said, especially scouts, that this guy looks like a center fielder. And so there's also just been some kind of perplexing things on that end to me where, you know, again, he's got elite speed. He's got, you know, a solid arm. He's got really, you know, great range out there. I think, he has value defensively, you know, he has reverse splits, which as a right-handed hitter means he actually could have the better side of a platoon, you know, obviously I don't think he's there yet, but potentially with a Mauricio Dubon or someone like that, right. Who, who hits well against Southpaws, but the, the contact has been an issue and it was an issue, you know, coming out of Appalachian state, it was an issue, um, you know, in the twin system at times. And it's been a real issue since, 2019 and i think davis is someone who you know again when you're working with big tools but you know inconsistent hit tools reps are going to be key i think he's i mean i don't see why he's not going to play every day in sacramento and i think he's going to get a shot right kind of for one more you know insert mac williamson jared parker kind of you know if you hit well enough you'll get one more look but I i do think you know i mentioned i don't see duger wade and davis all on the 40 man roster next season. And I think Wade is the organizational favorite and Duger has the defensive floor, um, that the organization seems to not be willing to give to Davis as far. So, yeah. Well, you, I'm, you know, I'm
1: real quick. I'm looking at your report too. And, um, it, it's a great, it's a great description. Cause you said, um, it, it remains to be seen whether davis will ever put it all together or if he'll be the next in a long line of recent four a giants outfielders that's yeah. it. i mean that's that's interesting i mean because we've 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 seen that plenty of times i mean like I, like i i he had somewhat of a okay career but like a nate shearholt sticks out to me regarding that or like a john bowker like those guys
2: were like 4A whoa. guys. whoa so hey I went there i went <laughs> there Hey, Todd Linden slander. Hey, we talked about this, Doug. You can't talk about Bowker if Rob isn't here, right? That's his boy.
1: No, that's I Todd Linden.
2: Linden. Yeah, Todd Linden.
1: <laughs> uh, Brooks, actually, stuff. I can see it right Was now. He Adam has a, a fat head. At that.
2: a... <laughs> yeah, that's that's him. Hey, hey, John Bowker literally had T-Rex arms, okay? <laughs> Short path to the ball when he swung. Uh, swung. That's I quick bat speed. Um Back to uh, the other guy we were talking about, Jalen Davis, real quick. <laughs> yeah. um, you could see why the Twins gave up on this guy, right? He never had like a real. Big power kind of season when he was with the twins, like uh, always had that 25 to 30% strikeout rate. It was way too high. His walks were nothing special. And he was his average was around 250, 260. You know, that's not getting it done at the minor league level. You know, you got to really open some eyes or else you're going to be, you know, stuck getting traded for Sam uh, Dyson, right? And that's what happened. And then the Giants brought him over. And, you know, the strikeouts have been pretty much the same, but all of a sudden he started blasting homers, 35 Jacks. You know, it's like 15 homers in uh, 40 games for the River, uh, for the uh, Twins affiliate, I should say. Then he did 10 homers in 27 games for the River Cats. And it was just like, man, this guy is on fire.
3: So, yeah. And that's, sorry to interrupt uh, you, but yeah, that's, that's why I'm higher on him, right? Because I think this is I'm trying to think there is, um, gosh uh, it's 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 missing for me now but davis is a guy whose power tool has always exceeded the power that's shown up in games and you know there are plenty of guys who that never clicks right and even some big leaguers who have more power than just is able to show up and part of why i was high in 2019 he had a swing change like he made a conscious adjustment to kind of elevate the ball more consistently and try to pat, tap into his power. And, you know, uh, not too dissimilarly, right, from something we've seen from Austin Slater. The difference, of course, is that Slater had a different baseline, right, than Davis. Slater was a contact hit tool heavy guy coming up in the minor leagues. He wasn't striking out a lot. He was hit, You know, he was hitting for power, but it was a lot of doubles, right, and 330 averages. Davis was someone who, like you mentioned, was already striking out a decent clip and so there was a thin margin for error but in 2019 it looked like he put it all together and remember he gets called up and then he gets an injury I don't know if I can't remember if he got hit or he pulled a hammy or something to that effect right he only gets I think a dozen or so plate appearances in 2019 and I just again where reps are so pivotal you know he's in the first year of a major swing change and I do wonder how things go if he gets the rest of that 2019 season right he gets a minor league season in 2020 if maybe we're in a different place and that's where I have no idea and no one really knows what this last year of lost minor league ball will mean for the future of players because is this development time he'll never be able to make up or is this development time that actually in six months he'll be clicking and we'll be back on the Jalen Davis train right
2: yeah yeah and and one more thing yeah one more thing about Jalen Davis and then we can move to your final question Doug I just want to say uh you know the Giants have had to designate a couple guys for assignment so far this offseason right uh Trevor got he cleared uh Basabe, mm-hmm. he cleared um you know Davis was not lost during that time I- i'm pretty sure the uh the organization is still high on him um there's you know he's still in camp he didn't get cut when uh when uh some of the other guys like McCarthy went uh he got you reassigned. know uh, cut yeah. yeah reassigned whatever you want to call it uh, so Anyways, I just want to say that, you know, I think they're still, they still have him in their plans. He does have his options, obviously. So he's not someone they need to force onto the roster or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I, I welcome any guy that can bomb <laughs> that many yep. homers in the giants organization. organizations. Not a lot of those guys in the upper minors. And frankly, he's just killing it in AAA. when he, uh, when he actually had those at bats. Uh, so uh, I, I would like to see him actually get that minor league season that was lost last year. I want to see him get that this year and hopefully he comes up and makes the most of his uh, is, you know, third cup of coffee with the Giants.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mark,
1: you're pretty high uh, about Hunter Bishop and his potential to be a part of the Giants uh, future outfield. Tell us why Giants fans should be excited about the Arizona state product who has really added some power the last year or two.
3: Yeah, I mean, he actually, this is who I was thinking. As I was thinking of Hunter Bishop, he's been the You're guy welcome. who since high school, there was, yeah, exactly. That's why I come on the call, <laughs> You know, uh, elite hosts. Um, we got, uh, <laughs> he's always had plus, more than plus power potential. I mean, again, he was a, originally a D1 football recruit. I believe it's safety, and, and, and he looks like it, right? And, and frankly, when you look at the top Giants' outfield prospects, you really have a D1 football lineup you really have some dbs and elliot ramos and hunter bishop but that's really beside the point but so bishop his freshman and sophomore years at arizona state doesn't you know plays every day isn't doing anything exceptionally but he's still a guy who's probably going to be a fifth sixth round pick just because of those tools you're betting that he kind of can put it together and maybe he does maybe he doesn't and then summer i want to say it's the cape cod league Um, whichever summer league he was at near the end of it, he makes an adjustment to a swing, comes back and he's one of the five best hitters in college baseball giants pick him 10th overall. It's, I want to say 25 homers in 50, 60 games. And so the question with him, not too dissimilar actually from Jalen Davis, right. Is was the success he had in 2019, something that is going to, he's able to maintain or will he revert to what he was before? And from what the returns were. And I was someone who was skeptical since it was kind of a one-year blip that always, you know, puts some of my warning flags up a bit, but he was someone who got rave reviews from people I spoke with and, and others who've covered it have documented this at the alternate site in Sacramento and at Instructs in Arizona. And so, and that was even with missing an extended period of time because he had a COVID diagnosis. And then even after he was clear of symptoms, had issues getting a negative test. And so he, he couldn't get back um, to Sacramento very quickly. And so he's someone you're looking at who has that plus plus power. And because of that football, I mean, it's not because of the football background, but you can see why he has the football background. He also had and plus speed, like, I mean, 60 grade, 65 grade speed. Now the expectation yeah. is, you know, as he matures, as he develops, that's probably going to fade a bit. And we'll see where he ends up defensively. He's kind of the quintessential example of someone who, you know, I knew I had a friend who ran track in college and his coach was always so frustrated with him because he goes i can tell when i see you run you you run like a football player like you don't have like perfect sprinting form you have like very football player charging form, right? you're, you're,
2: like he's charging exactly you're charging you're ready to cut right? you're, ready
3: to, you're ready to catch someone off guard right you're ready to you know do a lot of different moves and while that's not a full uh that's not really a proper complete metaphor for bishop i think there is something to be said for he kind of looks like a football player sometimes when you see him in the outfield is that like, he just doesn't have the reps in the outfield. That's someone like Elliot Ramos does, right? He doesn't have um, great instincts and his arm has been really weird. It's been really inconsistent. It's looked above average and then it's gone completely disappeared. It had some people say he'll have to play left field. It's been really bizarre. Um, And and so that's sort of one kind of weird thing to watch as you look at his future defensively, but that's really irrelevant because of that power. If he can avoid the strikeouts, um, he has the power to be a 30, 40 home run guy. And, and the thing that, you know, Giants fans will be shocked to know a player that was drafted under Farns 80, he walks a ton. He, he has, he yeah. works counts a lot. And that's part of the reason, you know, not too dissimilarly from Brian Reynolds, uh, former Giants prospect who did strike out a lot, but part of that was because he tended to work counts and he walked a lot along with it. And that's kind of something that's true for Bishop as well. He's also just, Comfortable taking a strike, working counts. He's not going to swing at the pitches on the edge, and so I have a. I'm beginning to become a bit more cautiously optimistic that he isn't going to see a huge spike in his strikeout rates as he moves up, because some of those strikeouts are a side effect of, of his above-average approach.
2: Yeah, yeah. I remember when they they drafted Bishop. It, it wasn't. It, it, I think we were all eyeing him toward that oh he's still around he's still around so I think it was kind of like the pick you know it wasn't something they reached it wasn't some huge steal it kind of just I think it was what 10th overall or something it was just kind of like that was the pick at that time and uh, yeah it just seemed like it totally made sense for uh, you know for a Giants organization that is looking for the next all-star outfielder that they've drafted, you know, since Chili Davis, we've heard it forever. Right. <laughs> so, so why not go with that guy, you know? And um, he is built like, God, he looks like freaking Josh Hamilton or something out there. He just, is yep. a big, big freaking dude. Uh, so I like to uh, like to see him, uh, you know, take the next step this year because I, I he's just on my list of guys that I'm just like, he's just going to get promoted like that. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a guy that needs to prove a lot. Uh, good program in Arizona state. Um, and uh, I think it was Arizona state, right? Yes. Yeah. Good. Arizona state. Yep. Yeah. Spencer uh, Torkelson's uh, teammate right mm-hmm. yep. so I, I don't know I just I feel like Hunter Bishop will be up uh, you know very soon um, in some of these guys like uh, your, your guy Matos you know he's only 18 obviously so mm-hmm. when he gets up uh, he will be up but someone like Bishop I feel like would not be shocking to see him somewhere uh, in the outfield next summer maybe what do you think Mark is well, that he-
3: i i think it really comes back to those swing and miss issues i mean he's i'm not still next, someone, sorry
2: sorry not summer 2021 summer 2020
3: i know i i just think i i mean he's someone who you're probably looking at even if he hits something close to his ceiling is striking out 170 160 times you know a season and again i i think he could still be i think he could hit you know 240 i i say like his swing looks like josh hamilton but i think his ceiling is like late career power hitting curtis granderson where you had a guy who walked a lot hit 30 35 40 homers a year struck out 170 180 times and is given you like five six war a year because he's he's a good athlete he's solid defensively he's hitting for a bunch of power and even though that average is low he's still posting a 350 or higher on base because of his ability to walk um You know, some people, you know, I mean, I imagine you talk to Giants uh, people, they'll tell you they think the hit tool can be even better, obviously, and they're going to tell you they think he can hit 300 on top of all that. And, you know, again, we have this year and we have no idea what it's going to do to any of these prospects. And, you know, it's very well possible that that first year he was only scratching the surface of what this swing change could mean for him. But I I still think I'm going to need to see him avoid strikeouts at a pretty significant rate. Um, for that to happen i'd say for him i see more 2023 uh timeline for a debut probably um you know at, at least a couple years a season and a half behind ramos without a big step forward but
2: you know. hey strikeouts or strikeouts man if you're if you're yep. saying he's ronald Acuna jr in 2019 which was 41 homers 280 batting average, uh, 37 stolen bases. That could be uh, 100 bishops future. But that's 188 we can, we can strike, on 19, 188 strikeout season. What a stretch. Yeah. What so a stretch, Brooks. 190 Ks for uh, Acuna that year. And I don't think anybody was complaining about those. Like we need,
3: the aggregators. We need I, the aggregators.
2: Can I give a bold –
1: I'm, I'm, I'm going to give a random bold prediction real quick. Uh, he's go. Rule 5 eligible after next season um he's either added to the 40 man next season or he's going to be dealt for a, a pitcher
3: Ooh, i like not that right so i like that a lot i remember predicting last deadline i thought they were going to move one of canario or bishop for like yeah. a anthony k or some upper minor league pitcher um well especially elsewhere. who knows now
1: with canario with his you know he's coming yeah off surgery, obviously
3: so. obviously they end up not doing that i was higher on before the injury i was higher on canario than bishop yeah. because he's younger obviously the injury changes that and We'll see. I mean, they're very, frankly, Canario and Bishop are actually very similar prospects, both above average athletes, both have this elite power potential, um, but neither have played a lot in games, right? Like Elliot Ramos and Marco Luciano and Luis Matos, frankly, are guys who you talk to scouts, those tools they've had have always shown up in games. If anything, their performance is above what you're seeing in the tools, especially with someone like Matos, where Bishop and Canario are kind of in this class of guys who they have this potential you'll see in batting practice. And, you know, we can loop in Jalen Davis with this, right? Guys who who you see this potential, but, you know, it's it's not tapped into games. And so those are guys, right, it could click and in an instant they're major league all-stars or it could just kind of never, you know, click into gear. And so it's going to be interesting to see not only how they plan out, but also how the Giants handle it. Do they consider moving one of them or do they, you know, uh, how do they handle the player development? How aggressive are they with promotions? All of that, I think, is going to be really interesting to watch over the next few years.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Bishop, he just needs – He needs games, you know, he's only played freaking 30 games in his pro career. So give him, give him some time. Yeah. I I was, I was hoping maybe next summer would be a, would be an aggressive timeline, but uh, who knows? We'll see what happens this year.
1: You can add uh, Mark Deluki or follow him on Twitter at Mad DeLuke. Uh, make sure you are following his articles on around the Foghorn.com. Great stuff there. Mark you, thank you so much for uh, coming on and joining us, and maybe we'll have you on again throughout the season
3: thanks for having me I, I, I took uh, I, I kept I'm, I'm long-winded here so you know I'm always welcome to come back I, I have plenty of thoughts I have my PDF's 50 pages on prospects I can go <laughs> we, can, we can marathon that's it? on it here only <laughs> that's it. no Mark good. and,
1: and I'll, I'll make that booklet uh, accessible so everybody can check that out on Twitter awesome. and in our uh, logs description here so yeah, for yeah, uh, great. Brooks and great, great for chat Mark.
2: with you buddy yeah right, for dude, Brooks and for, for Mark the giants come to town. It's by
0: baby. Every time the are done. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you.